Hey everyone, welcome to, I don't know what you would call it, I'm not sure if we don't have a spoiler class branded as anything on the site, but god damn it, when I played Beyond Two Souls and it very quickly in about 24 hours deleted itself from the publish, public consciousness, I decided <laughs> I needed to talk to someone else about this goddamn game, so I tracked down a group of video game experts, or at least one of them, uh, to talk to us about Beyond Two Souls. Uh, we have our regular Alex Navarro, the Wolf. How you doing, guys? How's it going? <laughs> I didn't give myself a lower third. Well, you can still do that. You have the opportunity anytime you want. That's true. We're also joined by Polygons, Justin McElroy. Hey, what an honor it is to be able to share my insights with uh, with everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you list that on your on your resume? Like available it to is, share it insights? Is my entire re my resume is a lower third, actually. I just it <laughs> on slips of paper. No contact information. It's 2013. You just Google me. <laughs> you can just invite you to a Google Hangout. Just and, uh, invite me to your Hangout, please. <laughs> I live in isolation. Are we also joined by Kotaku. Is Kirk Hamilton from the uh, Tech Apocalypse, the Wasteland? <laughs> Hello. Uh, hey, everybody. Oh, I'm out in San Francisco. Um, hi. Uh, good. Good to be here. Good to talk to people about Beyond. It's kind of a good game to talk to people about uh, because it's uh, sort of a difficult game to recommend. So, I'm, yeah, I'm psyched to hear what you guys think of it. So I, I, want to, I want to start with sort of the sentiment I had at the top, which is I feel like when Heavy Rain came out, it was kind of talked about, like kind of dissected for a good period of time. Beyond Two Souls comes out and just, poof, just like gone. It's like a function of when it came out, right? It's kind of a, it was a weird time for a game like that to come out this year. You know, like a PS3 game in the middle of what? It was like September, right after GTA V or right around then. It sort of got swallowed up by a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it doesn't help that it's on the very tail end of the PS3's lifespan. You know, I mean, it's, it's like it came out about a month and a half before the next PlayStation came along. So there was a certain amount of, I think, you know... Maybe just not so much disinterest as the the interest shifted pretty quickly after that thing came out. Well, and and I think a, a lot of the stuff that got people talking about Heavy Rain was uh, repeated in Beyond Two Souls. I mean, I I think they were refined, but a lot of like the facial capture stuff, the uh, most of the mechanics um, and and that sort of thing were were brought back. Um, so I don't think there was much meat on the bones in terms of discussion. And there's, like, sort of the Ellen Page, Ellie, Last of Us thing. Like, The Last of Us sort of stole a lot of Beyond's Thunder, I kind of thought. Like, especially with the fact that it was a really, actually, more emotionally effective game, I thought. And it starred a girl who looked a lot like Ellen Page, to the point where Ellen Page, that was, like, probably the biggest story we ever ran about Beyond, until the whole, like, naked thing happened. Where, um, it, which was like Ellen Page saying, like, to kind of like throwing shade at The Last of Us and be like, well, I'm in my own PS3 game. And, like, you know, I, I think this girl looks too much like me. And that was, you know, but that game kind of, I think The Last of Us also undercut Beyond a little bit. So I guess, like, across the board, is everyone, or like, maybe didn't like Heavy Rain, but at least possibly admired what it was going for? Is like that kind of the mindset that all of you guys went into? For, for Beyond, because that's, that's how I went into it, was I think Heavy Rain is a deeply flawed video game, but at least it was different, and a lot of the reason it was different was also why it was flawed, but at least when I come out of Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain, I had a, a you have an opinion about a David Cage game. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think for me it was I, I you know, I said it in my review. I you know, I think that what David Cage strives for is always really interesting. I think he has good ideas that are often peppered with really bad ideas that nobody tells him he can't do. So, you know, there's there's an idea of this, you know, trying to make this cinematic experience out of games that he he goes for that I think works and fits and starts. And I think it works more effectively in this game than it did in Heavy Rain. But, you know, the whole time I was playing it, you know, while I was entertained and I was enjoying myself, I couldn't help thinking, I was like, God, that was just the dumbest way that could have possibly gone over and over and over again. I felt like that constantly. I really, I really, 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 really disliked Heavy Rain. Like, really. And I'm I'm someone who champions, like, innovation, especially in terms of storytelling and games. And I just couldn't get past how ludicrous the the, the story <laughs> of Heavy yeah. Rain is. And nonsensical and cheap and crappy and, ugh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I hated Heavy Rain when I first played it, too. I, like, I, I couldn't get around it. I hated, like, how cheap it felt. I hated how manipulative the story was. I hated the entire way Madison, the character, was dealt with and just how manipulative and shameless and like weirdly racist it was. And like it had so much stuff that I didn't like about it. But then I kind of softened on it. Um, like over time, I came to kind of think, like Patrick, what you were saying there at the beginning about how it's sort of this game that has a lot of problems, but it's also, it's more interesting than most you know, random first-person shooters or whatever. Like, at least it it tried to do some things. There's, like, a part where you have to talk your kid into doing his homework. Like, that that is cool. It's just that, yeah, I haven't played it in a while. I have a feeling that if I played it now, I'd maybe be softer on it, but also, like, even more aware of all the problems that it has. Yeah, and that was the, the, the weird thing. So, like, you know, what got so much attention in, in Heavy Rain was obviously the the controls and uh, you know David Cage definitely brought that into Beyond Two Souls as well but I don't know about you guys but I, I felt like it felt it didn't feel as forced as it did in Heavy Rain and Beyond he, Two Souls yeah. I, I felt like it like oftentimes having the 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 movements of the character mapped to the uh, to the controls and in the way that the cage has tried before, it just didn't work very well in Beyond Two Souls. It felt very forced, at least to me. I felt like he simplified things a lot. I don't know if you guys felt this way, but like there was there were a lot of times in Heavy Rain where you'd be in a chase sequence, like shaking the controller and like turning it and flipping it and having to react really really quickly. Or those fight sequences where you'd have to tap and then tap and tap. Right, and the constant like half circles like, and quarter circles you have to make with yeah, the sticks during right, these like, like high tension moments. It. Where Beyond it was like one flick, like every single combat thing was a single. You could play the whole thing with a smartphone, like it was like. So simplified. It was just the thumbstick, and then there'd be little parts, you know, where she's hiding or something, and you have to, you know, press two buttons or do something a little uncomfortable. But it was nowhere. I thought it was so simplified that, I mean, it was, it honestly, like, it barely felt like it, this is a stupid thing to say, but it barely felt like a game at times. Like it was, which I actually didn't mind. Like if you're gonna do what he's doing in these kinds of stories, like, eh, like all those weird contextual controls don't really feel like the thing that they're approximating anyway. So might as well make it simple. Uh, yeah, I've, I uh, I love the uh, the uh, action mechanic where you had to follow through with the momentum of the character to keep the action going. It was really innovative. I haven't seen uh, that kind of action since um, there's a classic game that I'm trying to remember that used that uh, uh, those oh uh, you know what uh, I, it escapes me but there's a, a, a 
another classic game that uses very similar mechanics. Uh, that's 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 really. Are you gonna awesome. say like Space Quest or something? I keep waiting for you to. <laughs> Space Quest. Uh, no, no, it's Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Yeah. Dragon's control. Got for that bit. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean that that's it's it's such a weird game too because. I'm not sure. I read an article last night. I passed it along to to Alex. But in games, usually when we're presented with choices, we're often also told, you know, what could the other choice have been, or the ways the other the story could have gone. It's very obvious. Games are are even when they're not binary, they at least inform you that well, you could have seen it this way, or you could have seen it that way. Like you made a choice, and someone went down and broke down different sections of Beyond Two Souls, and there are like a number of points where if you just straight up don't look at an object, like a certain scene doesn't occur. Like, did you guys all? You guys all got probably the bar scene, right, where she gets yes. assaulted, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you don't have to go and do that. Really, you don't really? have to go there. And if you if you don't go there, when you have the date scene, right, she doesn't freak out. You can have sex. Yeah. Really? Yeah, actually, there is there is sex apparently if you if huh. you don't have that 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 whole attempted rape right. scene. Right, that's pretty cool. That's bizarre. And you, know, and you guys know she can die, right? When? She yeah, can when? Die. She can die in the game. Uh, there's a... Um, she can she can die and the game sort of goes... Because of the non-linear nature of the storytelling, it doesn't, like, impact it too much because it's later in the... If you were to space it out, you know... Right. Piece by piece by piece. Um, but there Which... seems like uh, in, the, in the train, for example, when you're running from the government agents... If you don't escape from them, you there's a another scene where they capture you, and right. you have to escape their imprisonment. Which I, I got that. Yeah. Oh, oh right, but she wow. can't die met, there, can she? No, there's other places she can die. Oh okay, I, yeah, I, I was under the impression that she couldn't die. There are a lot of times where like like when she's during that one the uh, the condenser I think where she, the, where she goes in to like clear out the. All the spirits. It's sort of the first time you run into the evil spirits, and she'll be getting attacked by these things, and like she's like hanging on, and like Aiden is supposed to save her, and I just kind of left her there to see what would happen, and nothing ever happened. Like she would just <laughs> hang there forever, and like they would just snap in the camera for a while until I like finally did something. Well, I think that kind of drills down to for me the the sort of core problem with this style of video game storytelling, and I actually think it's something that um, the the Stanley Parable. Illuminated really well. If you, if any of you played that, but yeah. mm-hmm. the the problem that I have with this is if you are playing if if I'm playing through a game and I never see the places where the path branches, then the time and effort spent creating those other branches that I don't take are fundamentally wasted. I mean, like I, I don't see them, and I'm certainly not going to go back and. And, and play again, because if, if I do go back and play again, that invalidates the weight of the story that I myself experienced, which to me is sort of like a fundamental... Um, it's like a fundamental paradox with with these sorts of games where if you have a, a story to tell, then that's something that should happen one way. I don't think I should have a role in that storytelling because then I'm just basically telling a story to myself, Um which, I think which that's, is pretty unsatisfying. I feel me. like that's different, though, when it's something that's expressed very clearly in the context of the game. Like, if it's something like The Walking Dead, where, you know, the the the, the places where your choice has a direct effect on the story 
are pretty obvious and, in fact, are specifically telegraphed to the player. Uh, I feel like, you know, you can kind of look at those moments and be like, you can you can sit there and think about what you're going to say, and, you know, you have these very direct dialogue choices that, you know, you can choose to, to, to push through. In the case of something like Beyond, you know, the, the transparency is not there. There's no un- understanding that if you don't go and do this, you will never get to see this scene or this won't happen or whatever. It's in fact goes out of its way to make sure you don't ever see any prompts or anything like that to to potentially you know interrupt the experience. So in in that case, yeah, that stuff does seem kind of wasted because there's all these little details that just are so uh, obfuscated within the, the the scope of the game that you know you just never get to check them out. I I went back and I played a couple of different sequences. Like I replayed that birthday sequence a couple of times just to try and get a different outcome. Uh, and I never did. Like, I always ended up with the same outcome where the, the kids eventually escape. But apparently there is one where they all burn to death. And I, well, no matter how many times I tried to make that happen, I couldn't make it happen. And you can have her skip it, too. Like, my girlfriend played that scene and, like, didn't take revenge, which I couldn't believe. Right. She just, like, walked out. And she sort of just leaves the party crying, like, humiliated, and it's over. It's I funny, you know, you, you're talking about, like, the getting the direct feedback to choices. And I was, because... Chris Swellentrap just reviewed uh, The Wolf Among Us, which did you guys all play that? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, for the New York Times, and he was complaining about how you actually you can't turn off those notifications. I um, hate that stuff. I hate yeah, it. Like, too. yeah, in the Walking Dead, where it doesn't bother me. So notice that you did that. Like, so like that's actually kind of annoying. I like the I we're like I like the result screens at the end of the episodes where they say you know how many people did this and how many people did that, but I don't love it in the moment. I actually sort of like it when uh, it's opaque and you just play. And then maybe you find out later, oh, this whole other thing could have happened, and maybe go back. Um, I, I had a good time. I, pl- I replayed a lot of Beyond, actually. I, I did a lot in two-player co-op, which is actually a really fun way to play the game. And it's sort of because it's a fun game to watch, you know. And I saw, like, all the, there are all these little things. Like, they're all kind of small. Like, uh, you know, when she's, when she's undercover, like, being a CIA operative, you can, like, go... She just goes out on the porch for a second and, like, composes herself, and I just had never seen that scene before. She kind of walks outside and, like, gets her act together and then goes back in, and it was just sort of cool. It was, like, this little moment. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, I saw a lot of replaying a lot of the missions. But does it replaying like that, like, sort of... I mean, if, if you have to replay uh, a scene to see that when you do, like, go through those sequences again to try to get different outcomes or whatever, like, doesn't it really take away the, the the semblance of a narrative? Like, doesn't it sort of remove, like, the idea that this is a story, like, that has impact or, or weight or anything? Because it is so far removed from... Uh, there There's basically no, that I can think of, mechanical impact of your decisions in Beyond Two Souls. Um, right. I like, kind of think that the game, like, functions... Well, the structure of the game sort of lends itself to that more than some other games, just because it's already broken into these, like, asynchronous chunks that you can just sort of play. So I didn't feel that, like, it was that big of a deal. Uh, like, I checked out both endings and, like, kind of all the different things that could have happened. Um, and in this game, I didn't mind it. It just sort of felt like actually a way to play with the game. It's just going around and, like, looking at deleted scenes or something, since it was kind of like watching a movie anyway. So I didn't, awesome. it didn't bother me here. Also, and I think in theory, you know, when there are those branching paths and there are those different choices, you know, the hope is that all those different choices have equal meaning and that, you know, whatever way you choose to go through, you know, you'll still get the basic gist of whatever it is that David Cage is trying to, you know, sort of impart upon you. And I think that in this case, you know, the game itself and the story itself is so ludicrous in places that it kind of doesn't really matter 
Because right. It's like, not like you're very you're true. not you're not getting anything super meaningful out of Beyond right. other than David Cage thinks that something happens when you die and it's weird. You know, and, it's like that's kind of it. And I and I wonder, you know, sort of what uh, you're talking about, Justin and, and Kirk, is you know, as gamers, like we're sort of trained psychologically to be completionists, and that that definitely influences some of us more than others. Like I I have specifically trained myself to try and not care about that stuff because I find it is often to the detriment of the experience if you feel the need to see everything to 100% everything given that everything in a game is not necessarily worth your while or worth your time, um, at least at the sacrifice of checking out other things. Um, and I wonder if, you know, even just the knowledge that there are other things out there, especially because of the way we normally play games, we feel like we missed out on something as opposed to just that our one single playthrough being the playthrough that matters. But now that we know that there were other things out there, there were other ways, that, things that we didn't see. You know, for example, if you go to, uh, in the fire scene, um, if you don't escape, then you don't find out who set the fire. And you can find out again in the hospital scene directly thereafter when she's in the coma. If you look at the newspaper, it reveals who, who set the fire. But you can possibly go through all of those scenes without knowing who lit the fire. And I bet that would be a pretty... That would seem like that was a plot point the game didn't address. Right. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, it, it also speaks to the, the notion that no matter what choice you're making, you're still going to kind of end up in the same place ultimately. Because if you don't escape the fire, you end up in a coma. If you do escape the fire, you end up in a coma. Like, the, the end result right. is kind of the same. You just either get the details filled in or you don't. Yeah, I, mean, I think what Alex is saying about, like... In this game in particular, like, I didn't feel very... Like, I had one playthrough, like, that I think was really, like, my playthrough. Like, she wound up alone in the end, and she chose life, and, like, uh, it kind of worked. Like, it, it, felt, it felt true to, like, my playthrough. But the game was so ridiculous so much of the time that when I went back... Because I went back through a bunch of scenes and uh, to try out co-op, too, just because I was reviewing it and wanted to see what that was like. But doing that stuff um, with my girlfriend playing as Jody and me playing as Aiden and like watching her decisions was kind of fun because she played it differently than I did. You know, she I, I, like little choices. You know, like she made a different thing for dinner during the date scene, or she ran out of time when I didn't. And like watching that happen while controlling Aiden and like sort of getting this other person's playthrough uh, as a second way through was a really actually really cool way to do it. It made me soften a lot on the game actually. Like I was really. At times, like I was ready to lay into it when I was playing it single player by myself, but then see, playing it again and getting like stepping back from it a little bit, doing some co-op and like just having that experience of watching it with someone else, which was pretty fun, really made me like like the game a lot more. I, I guess my problem with it, the whole attitude that the David Cage and Co seem to have about storytelling is like stories are really hard. Stories are hard to do, and they have these. Stories have elements, they have components, they have ebb and flow, they have, um, you know, there are hundreds upon thousands of books published every year that are supposed to tell a story that fail at it, that are one linear path from A to B. Like, they're, they're tough. And, you know, you're talking about, for example, that is the, the uh, scene with the coma after the fire. <clears throat> and... In, in, in a version of that playthrough, you can find out who set the fire or you cannot find out who set the fire, which raises the question for me, is that important information or not? Is that important to your story or not? It's this very weird sort of cavalier attitude to storytelling that it's, that it's something that could just happen. Like a, a, a great story can just sort of 
form by happenstance. And I don't know if some of our greatest storytellers could sell that. And let's make no bones about it. David Cage is not among <laughs> our great, our our planet's great storytellers. Not so well. Much. That that kind of gets at another thing in this, where like the the sort of lack of storytelling chops goes, and it goes even beyond that, right? Like there's this weird idea that you can just inject things into a game, into a story, and then suddenly just have drama, like that. Oh, like not like this the scene, that and it was actually the scene they showed, the whole homeless part, where right. it just goes from like. There's a burning building, or there's like a baby is being born, and then the building is burning, and she's saving everyone, and everyone's crying like right and left, and you're like, holy shit, you guys! Like, I can't connect to any of this because I have this is like hysterical, like it's just ridiculous information flying at me, and you can't just like throw a baby being born into the middle of a scene and expect that to suddenly like you know have an impact. But that and scene like, in particular is you can see that there is something there that could have been built on in a better way. Because that right. whole section with the homeless people is by far, I think, to me at least, the best part of that game. Because it's the most I mean, it just it feels like the most true when it comes to like the actual human interaction in that game. Like the people there, don't yeah, feel like there ridiculous. Are parts of characters. Some of the they're a little like they're like these noble like Sure. Know, like, so it was a little ridiculous, but parts of it, yeah, are like great. Where she's pan, where you have to go panhandle and stuff, and like that's he's it's always the most interesting parts of his games, right? Are these little moments that where just sort of feel true and interesting well, in ways that games normally don't. It's one of the few times actually the game slows down and lets you actually build relationships with people. And right. and and if you look at the the way the story is told, it goes from these the one insane extreme to there's that, and then you're you just randomly stumble upon uh, this Native American family that is plagued by ghosts. That's the oh my god! That part, man. Every, uh, you, you watch that whole scene and you're like, if this was any other storytelling medium or a good game, that or a great a, a great game, sorry, then this scene <laughs> would have been cut. Right. And then you realize that like Beyond is basically a l- very long string of of scenes like that, like mm-hmm. th- that, don't have a bearing on the final story and don't, um, that don't uh, have a, a narrative through line really, and that's almost yeah. by design because you can't have a narrative through line if everything is piecemeal. It's it's like a TV series that was intended to end after one season. Like each episode <laughs> is kind of its own weird little like self-contained thing, and then you just get to the end, and then it's just over with. Right, it, it's just constantly jumping its own shark. Over yeah, that's and, and that's true. Again. I mean, I feel like David Cage has a serious escalation problem. Like he doesn't know how to escalate. He'll take a setting and it's cool and it's set up interestingly, and you're into the characters and like, and then suddenly it, they just dial it up so hard, so fast, and so unbelievably that it loses you every time. Like the Navajo spirit thing is a perfect example where it starts out kind of cool and it's this good setting and she's like hitchhiking down the street and she finds these mysterious people and she's hanging out and getting to know them and working on the farm and sees like a weird ghost and it's all kind of cool and then suddenly it just gets completely ridiculous like so quickly and people are dying right and left and there's like this massive monster in the sky and like that the whole arc to get there and it's probably compounded by the fact that that was probably one of the longest chapters in the game but that this game is these like you know discrete chapters and was designed that way. It really seems like it can't really support that sort of ramp up from like hitchhiking down the street to fighting a giant monster in the sky within like an hour. It just can't get there. <laughs> and and it feels it feels like the game just doesn't have and I you know hard to say you know whether this is you know like feedback from Sony as a publisher, but you know 
the game just doesn't slow down enough. It always feels like it's really anxious about itself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, we can't let the player sit here and just enjoy the moment too long because if mm-hmm. they do that, then they're going to suddenly lose interest. So, like, if you were to actually make the player playthrough beyond uh, chronologically, there would be significant chunks of time when you were just playing as as uh, her as a young girl where not a whole lot was happening, where you were just sort of indulging in a lot of character moments before you got to sort of the momentum that carries a lot of the action scenes in, in the second half, chronologically, anyway. And mm-hmm. I have to wonder how much of a different experience it would have been if you had actually just threaded that needle, you know, chronologically as opposed to jumping around because the jumping around mostly feels like it's intended to just make sure there's an escalation moment if one doesn't occur in the current right. scene that you're playing. Yes, people and people made like YouTube movies. You know how they do that? They'll make like a whole movie version of the game where it's like four and a half hours and you can just watch the whole thing. And then someone did that and then they made another version that was the chronological version. And it's interesting to watch it. Like it starts out with a bunch of just like weird nightmares as a little kid and sort of not a whole lot happens a snowball fight and like you know, then escalates. I actually thought I, I'm I'm down on the game a lot because I'm so frustrated that they that someone is given this like budget and carte blanche to sort of tell a story like this and has the sort of freedom that that they, that Quantic Dreams seems to have and and doesn't do more with it. But there are moments for me that that really worked. Um, I thought the last couple hours actually built to something that was sort of emotionally impactful. Um, and there are individual moments, like the one in the... Uh, uh, several in when she's homeless, or there's a great bit um, early in the game when she when she's going to the birthday party that she talked about, and the uh, her, her sort of father figure scientist that's studying her, played by Willem Dafoe, gives her an old book of poetry to to give as a birthday present. And it's like, it's very honest and it says so much about like his character and you can just sort of see the dread of the moment coming like where she gives that to somebody and it's it's going to be a nightmare. And, and there are really well executed little moments like that throughout, which is part of why I, I, I wouldn't feel too bad about recommending it to most people because I think yeah. it's very interesting and, it, and there's a lot of times where it it builds ahead of steam and works pretty well. And I, and just, I think that's ultimately like why you know why the game proves so divisive and, and frustrating, even as someone that I think like all of us would like recommend playing it, if only because it's interesting. But it's those those singular moments where the game really does sort of speak to you or or has this really amazing character moment, and then it just blows it up, and you so quickly forget about it. You know the the, the turn that William Defoe's character has at the end of the game, where you realize that he has been essentially imprisoning his family by not allowing them to transition to the other side, like, is, I think, like, could have been handled as a really right. amazing moment for that character. Like, that's, that's tragic for these, these, these spirit figures that cannot cross over. It speaks everything about his inability to get over, you know, his right. family's his death. And, like, that in itself, like, describing it that way... It's it's really profound, but it's all wrapped up with the, the fucking world is coming to the end, and 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 a ghost machine, and the and fucking crazy general, the fucking Ghostbusters is, uh, oh reactor God. underneath their headquarters. <laughs> God, the part of the impact. whole game is where the dude like punches the general, and he says, "Consider that my resignation." <laughs> oh come on! He said that I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" A guy just punched his commanding officer and said, "Consider that my resignation." Like, I think that kind of that kind of man that's the thing that depresses me a little bit about this in general is that David Cage 
um, ha is always going to be the guy 100% in charge of these, and he's always going to write these. Did you guys watch any of the, like, like, I don't want to, like, throw aspersions at David Cage, really, like, because um, I like that he's ambitious and stuff, but did you guys watch any of the videos, like, the documentary videos that come with the game that you mm, can watch? No, I haven't watched any of those. There's there there's a couple, and they're, like, you can just tell. It's If you've ever watched the, and this is a shitty comparison, but if you've ever watched the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, that, like, the people who worked on the Star Wars prequels talk about George Lucas, it's no. there's this similar vibe from the creative people where they're, like, well, you know, we we really just... David gives us his vision, and he lays the whole thing out, and then we code the whole thing to match that, and then he'll check it out, and he'll say, well, this doesn't quite match, so then we'll rework it so it really matches with his, you know, vision of the game. And you get this sense of a guy who, like, you know, really controls the whole thing and has all these interesting ideas, I think, that we're talking about, but then he's just not the writer that he needs to be. Um, not even in the, like, big picture stuff and the storytelling stuff, but the fact that there are these, like, hilarious cliches in the game that, like, happen over and over and over again. Like, like you know, consider that my resignation. You're like, dude, this wouldn't fly on, like, a budget sci-fi, like, miniseries that was running during the day. Like, it would still seem like a cliche. I saw, so if I saw... he could just hire a good writer to, like, supervise and to really dial the whole thing up, it'd be... Great, but I don't know if that'll happen. I sometimes wonder if his definition of writing is emulating the things in other entertainment that I have watched and think would fit here. Yeah. Uh, I've been right. I've been reading a book called The Disaster Artist, which is about the making oh, yeah, of the yeah, room. Tom. Yes. And I don't I'm not calling David Cage Tommy Wiseau, but there is a lot of talk <laughs> in that book about how that how Tommy Wiseau is this weird enigmatic figure who seemingly has learned interaction with people and emotion purely from watching random movies and then getting them wrong when he tries to express them throughout, you know, through his artistic endeavors. I don't think David Cage get th gets things nearly as wrong, but I sometimes right. think that a lot of what he writes is just stuff that he has seen somewhere and thinks, oh, well, this is a clever line, so I will put this in here because it makes perfect sense for this moment. He also, uh, in Beyond Two Souls, achieves uh, what I think may go down in history as the worst attempt at a romantic relationship that oh, has yeah. ever been imparted in a... Oh, God. I've, seen, I've seen, like, fucking Sears catalogs, pictures of couples <laughs> that are more believable as a romantic figure than, than, than the two relationships. The relationship building in this game is so bad that the end, they let you pick. Like, which one do you think <laughs> she was in the We don't know either. And that was why I had her be alone, because I was like, I don't like any of these assholes. Like, no, she you just didn't. Is gonna I go had her alone. go live with a baby. That's what I, was <laughs> yeah. I did too. Go live with that baby. That baby seems all right. Maybe you can shape it in a way that it doesn't talk in dialogue specifically from, like, John McTiernan movies. So, okay, how, now, did you guys try any of the different endings? Like, did you try yeah. multiple endings? Okay, so the thing that totally drove me crazy was this you know the first time you the first couple ones you go through there's that last scene that bumper that's supposed to be like the sequel setup or whatever where mm -hmm. it's you know Ellen Page facing down whatever apocalypse is coming if you do the homeless family one the kid that you delivered is there right alongside you and i feel like that is like the most unearned twist ever like <laughs> well did you do the death one if you choose death like a different character goes and does it like it's like not her it's someone else that she's like oh. watching from the other side I'm oh, trying to remember wow. who it is. It's like either the daughter or like that girl. I can't remember, but it's like it ends. It's the same shot, but it's not Ellen Page like standing in the you know. It must, the I think it's that. Suit. It must be that girl. Yeah. So it's like uh, it's not actually. I don't. Did you guys think that that was a sequel tease? 
Oh, I did. I absolutely. Yeah, it really was, right? Okay. For a minute, I was trying to be like, well, maybe, like, maybe it's just they're just out of course. It is God. I hope they don't make that game. game. I will give any. I will pay any price. (laughs) If he could just tell, if he would just settle down and tell, I I think part of his problem is scope, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they can do a decent story when they slow down for an hour and tell a story. I mean, if this was an episodic game that was, um. I mean, it already sort of is, but the episodes are very uneven. If this was just uh, vignettes that we were seeing and they could slow down and really, like, get into the the head of the characters and let the characters build and let some tension build um, in these individual vignettes, uh, then then I think it could be really effective. A lot of the problem is the, the, the weird um, nonlinear chronological stuff makes it really hard for it to build any sort of dramatic tension. You know, it's not like, I think um, a really great epi- uh, example is like w- what you would see with Lost sometimes where the tension of the current th- uh, timeline was actually building in parallel with the flash forward or flash back and it was actually like the two were accentuating each other and uh, maybe Dave and Cage and company were trying for that with this but it it really it, it it more feels like a DVD on on random, and, right. and that's and that's what makes the the final choice at the end whether you choose to to go with one of the guys or to go it alone um, is is so weird because it feels so unearned. Like it's totally. none of the relationships have been earned by the end, and so the game just kind of throws up its hands. Like even the option that you were able to go make a life with the Native American man in the desert was like, wait, how is that even a possible choice? Like, that wouldn't right. have been even... Like, on... he was nice, but so <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... I felt that a lot early in the game, too, where I didn't know who Jody was, but I was making decisions as her, so it was just strange to be, like, warped, you know, eight years into her future and be, like, choosing conversation dialogues. Like, is she mean? Is she nice? I'm like, well, I don't really know. I've only seen her do, like, two things so far. I just don't know who she is yet. And then flashing back and forth, and then by the end, I kind of had a sense of who she was. But it was a, you know, it's a strange way to build choice and like and develop that, a character. Is and like, that goes into what that goes into what I'm talking about. Like the the how what choice do I have? If if you do that, I'm the storyteller, and I'm just making decisions without any of the context that I need to mm-hmm. inform my decisions. I don't have an idea of like who anybody is. You're just asking me, I don't know, how would I feel at this moment? Uh, right. And and that's a bizarre way to tell a story. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, it's like that trick, right, that we've seen every show do, I think even losses. It's like the in-media res cold open, where it starts with like a main character and then a gun goes off and then it goes you know, two weeks earlier and then suddenly the whole rest of the episode is building up to that moment where the gun goes off and then you find out all this other stuff and they didn't really die and whatever. Like the movie or the game felt like that. Only it doesn't work to have me making decisions in that opening sequence because I don't know what's going on either, and I haven't seen the flashback either. So it's like a structural problem with like making me care about my choices. Yeah, and it, it, I I found it increasingly odd and disjointed when you were switching between her and and Aiden because you know when you play as Aiden you have such an well at least for for the game this kind of game, like an incredible amount of agency versus what you sort of get otherwise when, when you're playing as her. And I almost would have thought the game would have been more interesting if it just kind of chose one side or the other. Because when you start playing as, as both of them, you, you, it becomes increasingly apparent just like how little choice you kind of actually do feel like you have 
in in the in the in each individual scene. But the moments where they sort of let Aiden go loose, I I would have much rather have played a game where I just got to sort of define who Aiden is or or who she is throughout the game, as opposed to having to choose both and never really feeling like I figured out who either of them were, at least until the very very end. And actually, that was another reason the co-op is really fun. Like, if you, I only played as Aiden through that second time through. And, you know, it was, it's kind of cool. It, like, makes for a fun thing, because you have to toss control to one another. So, like, she would have to press triangle to give control to me as Aiden, and I'd have to press triangle to give it back. And there's sort of this sense of you're just playing as the one character, and it, it helps establish that they're different characters, because I felt like that was a big point of the story. Um, that it wasn't he wasn't like a manifestation of her psychic powers. He was actually you know her twin. He was this other person that didn't really become clear for a while. And uh, playing a separate like having separate people controlling the characters establishes that a little earlier on, which I liked. Yeah, and I'll admit like that was a that was a pretty good twist. Like at the end, that's not you know I expected by the end the game just wasn't even going to bother dealing with the nature mm-hmm. of of the figure and I, and I had sort of made my peace with that I you know I, I don't have a problem with ambiguity in fact games probably too often you know storytelling in general tries to explain itself too often and and I was fine if, if the figure was just sort of left to your imagination but you know the fact that it was you know her her twin like lost at, at birth I thought actually contextualized the game in, in a really neat fashion but the problem is it would have made more sense if it was, you didn't have choices over how to define those characters because by the end, that piece of information about how uh, the nature of what uh, Aiden is like would completely redefine how I would have played that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just find that lack of information, like, just, it made it almost really frustrating even if the twist itself I thought was pretty interesting. Though that does add a, an extra really upsetting layer if you can uh, make her have sex. Ugh. Aiden's, like, <laughs> yeah. like, flying through walls trying to find one solid enough that he can't hear. <laughs> he can't I can't go that far from you. This. You know that I'm spiritually tethered. I, I, so got, I got the impression pretty early on that he was a separate entity because, I mean, there's there's enough different dialogue situations where she's yelling at him to do something to stop, yeah, yeah. you know, to not... Well, and the title of the game, right, is Beyond yeah. Two Souls. I mean. Right. So it's it's kind of telegraphed right there, but I also think that twist, like, I feel like he came up with that twist and he wrote the entire game around that part. It wrote backwards from that? Yeah, pretty um, much. I, yeah, I did, I, I, I really like some of the, like, especially in the last hour, like we've been talking about, like, I like a lot of the things he's trying to say about life and death and letting people go and knowing when things end. I wish more of the game were actually about that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I. I wanted to ask you guys. There was a really weird moment that I had that I couldn't tell if it was the story being disjointed or if it was a bug or what. But you know, the 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 older Navajo lady, uh, the the really old one, the grandmother, the grandmother, <laughs> who dies, right? Yeah. And then they bury her. Yeah. And then as Jody's leaving, you see her. She is one hundred percent there, like yeah. And it's not like Obi Wan Kenobi, right? It's no, not she's not glowing. Thing. She's not right. translucent. She's just there. Yeah, she's I I there. <laughs> yeah, I remember I that. This is weird. I do what remember thinking and that. Like, and Jody didn't seem thrown at all. She's just like, "Cool, later, guys." And it's like, "There's a dead lady there." Well, no. Yeah. Okay, so was the 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 father there died too? Was he in that scene? I can't I remember. He might have been. Wait, no, he didn't I, I really die. remember seeing the lady. I'm pretty he sure the father him. died. He didn't die yeah. from it. Iden healed him. Oh, really? Did he? Did you guys not do that? 
Yeah, he died for me. I did yeah, heal he him, died, but I me. thought he'd still died. Yeah, I, I, well, I did the he healing for me. Thing. Maybe oh. you guys aren't as sick at healing as I am. Yeah, you're yeah, like clearly way better. Possible. I do wish that if Jody had... The only thing that makes sense is that Jody was seeing the grandma, and you think she would at least give her like a... Peace out to you too, Jima. I'm going right, to like, you. Yeah, Obi-Wan all. Kenobi thing. Something, a nod. Yeah, right, but no... Yeah, that was weird. That whole end of that story was very weird, like with all the sort of unceremonious death and just uh, just all of that. I, the I mean, it was... Painting. I feel like it was only there to set up that mild, demonic antagonist that shows up later on. You know, it's just like she's tormented by this weird, you know, oh, dog right. demon thing later on in the game yeah, when I they're in fake China. I, it's just, and... it, that was the randomest part. Wait, well, so what? Honestly, like... Wait, 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 what was this? So remember the demon that comes out in the in, yeah. in the Native American section. So yeah. when you're in fake China doing the CIA stuff, the the shit where you're you're having to dismantle the 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 other countries, you know, whole fake array China. thing. Yeah, it, which sounded like it was like I did not Kazakhstan, but it was what? it was like Kazakhstan. You didn't do a whole section where you go to this snowy other country where you have to dismantle. Oh another... shit! Yeah. <laughs> okay. That weird Inception bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, that was weird. And then later on, that demon comes crawling through their array and starts chasing after you again, I think. And it's sort of, I think it shows up again later, too. Yeah, at the very end of the game, I think. It's, it's totally ill-defined as to what that even is or why you right. should be interested the, in it. The best, though, is when the best is when they tell her that there is a Somali warlord that she needs to kill. Right. And at the end and he's... of the scene, they're like, uh, that was the, she sees a newscast. Yeah, like, the news. Oh, she's like, he was that the, was the president. president. It's like you are the worst CIA operative ever. How long don't... were you in that country that that <laughs> yeah, didn't? Right. Like, who came up with this plan? Like, is there not one guy in the meeting who's like, there is a pretty high likelihood of this breaking <laughs> bad? Like, if there's a single picture of him that's like, oh, that says Anywhere, president yeah. on it somewhere, like, yeah. we were pretty much. Well, that entire so that sequence was easily my least favorite part of the whole. Oh game. yeah, that stealth part was just ridiculous. The, with the kid and like, then it's like she kills the kid's father. Oh my oh, it's god! It's so like, cloying and awful. Part, it's just like, awful. Fucking kidding me! I can't believe like it's so sappy. They're trying to wring every yeah. tear out of you possible in that right. situation. It's just abysmal. And like underlines how like all the item bits in that section. There's no consistent mechanics to it, which is frustrating. Like it shouldn't be frustrating because this game like doesn't have consistent mechanics really, and that's the point. But like. It gets gamey sometimes where you're possessing guys and like some dudes are orange and some dudes are red and like I didn't sometimes can go super far away from her and sometimes can't but it's so inconsistent that I was like totally Dude, there's just I this really is frustrating me like Don't there's no game. rules to this I can't and, play it yeah or, or there are only rules like the I, in that sequence I fully got caught because I didn't understand the like there's no uh, indication of how far people can see you. There's, uh, you have no, there are so many constraints on the use of Aiden that they might as well not be there. Right. Like, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll press Exactly. Or just, like, you know, just have him do it. Just have Aiden do it yeah. automatically. Like, it, there, were, there were so many points where I was like, well, I'm supposed to possess this guy and shoot that guy and then strangle this guy, but, like, why can't I strangle that guy and possess this guy? Like, that would have actually been cool. It would have been, like, prototype or something. Like, because it's not narratively convenient. Like, right. It's just a shame, like, that he... Like, I, the way I described that when I was writing about it, it was, like, that whole section felt like someone watched someone else play Metal Gear 4 and then had a dream about it. And, like, right. that's the dream. Like, it's, like, this weird version of, like, watching someone else play a video game and not understanding 
what even that means, like what a stealth game is supposed to be. It was just so strange. And then on top of it, all the ridiculous story stuff. That whole part, I was like, man, but this is just fucking stupid. Like, what am I even doing? Yeah, and and it's the end of the game. I found to be really strange, especially in sort of contrast to everything that comes before the final moments of the game where you're not really illuminated on the choices that you're making. It happens very organically, and you know, we, we talked about some of the, the positives and negatives of that before, but I think it's, it's, it's really odd that the game sort of just kind of allows you to make choices without realizing you're making choices, and at the end is just very pragmatic about choose X, Y, or Z, you know, mm-hmm. live or die. Who yeah. do you want to go home and sleep with? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's it, it does it didn't feel like it was very thematically constant with the like it should have just that's why I was so startled when it came up with like here are your four options to end the game because it didn't feel sort of consistent with what had come before. If you're gonna let it just be organic and I'm not gonna know how it's going to play out because you had me make a decision without me being aware of it, that's fine. But then you need to commit to that by the end because essentially the end allows you to contradict your choices that you've made before. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, that, and that's like that choice thing. I just wrote a huge thing about choice over the last generation, like how everyone's working, struggling with choice and like player choice. And it's been a, that's been an ongoing problem with games, like where... Like how Mass Effect ended, right? Like with by giving you just okay, choose three things. Like and it just had no, you could it didn't matter whether you'd play something before. And I actually didn't mind that in that case, but a lot of people felt like that wasn't true to the game. Or like Deus Ex Human Revolution, like another game that like literally just had like an ending matic where you can just choose. And uh, and then this game too, where it's like, who do you want to be with? Like which do you want to do? It like was so clear about it. I I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it. I guess I I don't really mind that it that it let me choose, but only because by that point I wasn't really. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like the game was nearly coherent enough for me to expect it to give me a coherent ending. <laughs> I, I think the choice, the the sort of choice that works for me, and I didn't see it reflected very much in Beyond, was if if I want to act, if I want to decide on a a character's temperament, sort mm-hmm. of how I see them and how they interact with the world, I think it's effective for that to alter the way your character is perceived in the world and the way they interact with other people and how they approach them. But I think when you're shifting story beats based on your decisions, I think that's always going to be a hollow choice. I'm always going to see you know, the, the, the alternate path out of the corner of my eye, um, and, and especially if there's no sort of indication that I'm shifting the story in any way. It's like... It, it feels a little bit too much like making pretend for me. So yeah, it's you, a, cho- it's a choose your own adventure thing, right? Like where it's you know you're basically presented with these choices that don't necessarily build off anything you've done. You are not necessarily you know meaningfully impacting the way people people react to you in the world. There, you're just deciding in the end, you know, I'm doing this or I'm going to do this. And at the end, there's maybe a snake pit or you know a hunky Native American guy. You never know. <laughs> Justin, how did you feel about The Walking Dead? Well, this is why I. The, the the things that worked for me in The Walking Dead were um, their relationship, the the way you could change how a character felt about you or the way you felt about that character because I do think that you can uh, decide on and get value from like the way my character interacts with other people. Like you can a- ascribe worth to really good characters and want to keep them close to you and want to keep them happy. And I think that's what made Walking Dead work is I was able to choose allegiances based on the characters I enjoyed interacting with and wanted to keep around. And 
that worked for me in The Walking Dead, and that's what I think Beyond is sorely lacking, is that idea of like characters that I want to keep in my world and stay on their good side. Because I think that is a that's something that you can trick your brain into believing that like I have a relationship with this character and I'd like to preserve it. Um, but when you leave that, that sort of uh, human, uh, sort of gamified approach to relationship building, when you leave that and it's a gamified approach to storytelling and uh, uh, with specifically like plot and altering plot, I, I think that's always going to feel uh, fake to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the perfect case is the the CIA guy because you know I spent that entire game being a total dick to him. Like I I was cold. I wouldn't react to him. I wouldn't do anything to sort of make him think that I was interested. But then at the end, I'm still presented with that option to be like, oh well, you know, all along he was the one for me, and I should just go choose him. Like if you're making meaningful decisions and you're actually, you know, if you're actually building something, then that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't even have that option. But that's in this a case, great. That's a great, great point. I, and yeah. that is beyond. That is the problem with Beyond Two Souls right there. Why did I not alienate that guy the first time I told him to go fuck himself? Like, why yeah. is he still like? I don't know. I'll take you back. I'm just a super hunky uh, FBI dude. Like, I don't have anything else cooking. You've been, you, <laughs> been nothing but cold to me this entire time. Like, I do look at other games that are do, like it, for all the crap um, I and a lot of people give Dragon Age Two. That's actually a game that like did interesting things not only with, like, re- carrying relationships through the game and, like, having other characters relate to each other interestingly, but also in, like, some of that, I think, Justin, what you were talking about, like, defining your protagonist's, like, you know, sort of mentality. Like, you can be funny or you can be mean or you can be, you know, like, you can choose these things and then over the course of the game, it, like, assigns that to your character. So then even in cutscenes, you know, your character will just be cracking jokes when otherwise they wouldn't have been. And that kind of thing, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So when you see someone like doing what Quantic Dream is doing with, you know, so much ambition and it's all about that. Like they're not trying to build a fantasy RPG with all this complicated shit in it. They're just trying to make a game about characters. And they're not even like making that basic effort to like have Jody maybe act differently like by the end of the game if you made choices in the beginning. And it's cool like to hear stuff like that you can miss that sexual assault scene and then have her like not be dealing with the like trauma of her past later is really cool because that kind of stuff, even that is like really neat to have that carry through. I wish there'd been more of that. Um, and that it just had felt a little more like I was like helping this, like watching this person and kind of helping her change and become who she was or whatever. And like, it made more sense. There was like a, an actual feeling of that where, yeah, like then you just have stuff where everything in the story felt arbitrary and the endings were just whatever and nothing really. Well, that's you know, the great, I, that's the, that, I mean, that's the other thing I can't appreciate the the fact that the story changes, um, y- you know, when you don't have the sexual assault scene, I can't appreciate the fact that the story has changed based on that because I have no idea. Right. I, I I don't know that there's another path. Um, and but if I did know there's another path, then it seems fake and arbitrary, or, or not arbitrary, but uh, artificial. Right. Um. So I I don't know how you fix that. Well, I th- I think you know we when we talked about The Walking Dead before, you know, not giving you, you know. You know, the Wolf Among Us showing you that, hey, this character responds to this. This person's going to remember that. You know, I feel like that gamifies your own emotional decision making in a way that bothers me. Um, and 
just having those decisions show up at the end, I feel like is kind of the best way to handle that because you're playing a game. So obviously if it's a game where you know there are choices and those have consequences and you didn't choose to do other things, you know, if even maybe Beyond Two Souls at the end had just like a spider web that you could explore, hey, here are all the manifestations of how this game could have played out. Why don't you go back to these scenes and then you can see how it spider webs on your own. I feel like would give you a greater appreciation for how you grew to define that character, even if the game chose to not show you those choices and consequences in your playthrough. But as you can reflect upon it, I think there would have been ways for the game to illustrate that, that The Walking Dead does through, you know, at the end of each each episode, that the game just chooses not to do, and thus you feel like you didn't actually make an impact when you might have, when, you know, clearly you could have. And there is this thing, like, the, the thing that comes down to it also is that, like, for all the stuff, like, we'd like to see that these choices mattered... Um, and, like, if she's going to change and, like, develop over the course of the game. If the story was just really good and her development felt really true and we could just look back at it and say, wow, like, this happened because of that and I really understand this character and this was just this incredible story, it wouldn't even matter, you know? Like, if it, if it was just really, really good, um, I, I, for me anyway, it wouldn't matter if I knew or didn't know that it could have been different. As long as it's, like, coherent, consistent with itself and well told, uh, that would that'd be enough. So, so what do you guys expect next what do you what do you expect from david cage next time around because obviously Kara, the guy's right? gonna what make another called? game Kara? he's got to make that that tech demo he had at gdc where the like lady robot gets taken apart Doesn't yeah you have to like make a game based on that yeah i mean anytime he makes a tech demo that has to turn into a game eventually. the old man he needs the old man eyes on ps4 yeah that weird sorcerer type guy i'm into that yeah <laughs> no definitely wizard actually, game i actually thought the sorcerer demo was like yeah really charming like it was yeah uh, like and, and but again, it seemed not I, written by him. And I didn't have any like weird sexual overtones with like men dismantling women. That was yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want to get into that with him. Ah, uh, Dave. Ah, um, uh, Dave. <laughs> I wish I wasn't gonna say this, but I expect him to make a version of the same game he's made three times now. Yeah. Uh, four. I don't know. I, I never played Omicron, so I don't really know what that thing is all about. But like Indigo Prophecy, Heavy Rain, and Beyond Two Souls all pretty much share the same basic gameplay DNA and you know story, like the same sort of like weird storytelling ideas that he has. And I don't expect him to necessarily deviate from that for whatever his next thing is, because he's clearly fallen in love with this method. And Again, you know, it's like we're criticizing it and we're picking it apart, but at the same time, I was entertained by it when I played it. And I'm not right. saying that David Cage is not a... He is not a good writer, but he knows how to make a game that at least holds your attention. And while I would love it if he got another editor or just someone to look at his scripts and just be like, okay, well, you cannot fucking do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> uh, I, I still don't... It's a good attitude as a writing partner. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to get to... the. Like, until someone tells him, you can't do this, he's just going to go on continuing to make the same basic thing again and again. Well, I mean, Beyond Two Souls didn't sell. So, you know, I think that, you know, Heavy Rain uh, bought him the opportunity to have carte blanche with uh, Beyond Two Souls. Sure. Uh, because Heavy Rain, uh, despite being divisive, uh, sold uh, pretty darn well, I think, especially relative to people's expectations for a game uh, sort of that out there relative to what we expect for sort of an adventure game. And uh, Beyond Two Souls, you know, I don't. I think they probably expected a little bit more. You know, certainly it's dropping at. You know, it released at possibly the worst possible time for yeah. enthusiasm for a current console. But right. uh, my guess is that he is going to be on somewhat of a shorter leash. It's just a matter of you know, it's hard to tell where Sony thinks that leash needs to be. You know, where right. do, where do they think he needs to improve? 
uh, versus sort of what some of the stuff that we look at. But I can't imagine that he's going to be able to just be as crazy as he been in the past because you know you've got to you've got to sell stuff in order to continue to do that, and then he didn't do that this time. I actually didn't realize Beyond wasn't selling much at all. So there you go. Yeah, and that'd be good, right? Like, I think I'd be interested to see what he did with a much more restricted budget and a much smaller game. You know, if you look at what four people can do with Gone Home, uh, and then you think about what a guy with his ambitions, and, you know, like, maybe he does hire a writer. Maybe he does get an editor. I agree with you, Alex, that that seems kind of, like, unlikely. But um, uh, just judging by the temperament and the sort of, the, like, ego's the wrong word, but the way that he makes his games is very like, this is my shit, here it is, like, and I don't get the sense he wants to temper that. But if he did, something smaller, something that was like, you know, uh, more humble and more focused could definitely, like, be interesting. I, yeah, I kind of agree that I think whatever he makes next is just going to be the same kind of thing. I want to play a downloadable game from him. I yeah, want, like I want something, something that has to be easily, you know, digested through standard bandwidth, you know, like something that, that doesn't necessarily have to run real long, mm -hmm. something that is just more muted, you know, something that's a little smaller. I would love to see him try his hand at that instead of just like these big budget action, right. you know, bombastic weird things that he loves doing. Awesome. Well, appreciate uh, all of you guys uh, joining. That was a lot of fun. I feel like I yeah. have had a cathartic release. Yeah, we got some game. stuff out there. Some thoughts are now in the world about being... I'm worried I gave it too high a score in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go back and make some covert edits or something, man. You guys can change thinking. it, right? Aren't you guys allowed to change your score? Yeah, like, uh, review, oh, update. Or... <laughs> review, review update. Review update, I'm... Review update on the dipshit. <laughs> like I've been, I've been thinking about it, and there was just some dumb shit. Maybe, maybe. Well, I, a, I guess I can't, seven. I can't shake the feeling that at the end of it, like, yeah, most people should do that. That was really weird. I, yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, I well, don't know. Right. Like, that was I, the, yeah. It's hard not to tell somebody like, yeah, check it out. I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah, I was frustrated by that. Like, just the recommendation aspect of writing a review of it was like, yeah, I recommend it. Sure, it's like cool and weird, but I. I don't know if that factors into all the crap I didn't like about it. Maybe you don't need to pay. It? Yeah, maybe you don't need to pay sixty dollars for it. Right, but, you right. Know, at some like, point, by all means, check it out. Pretty <laughs> soon, like it'll be downloadable for pretty cheap. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Check, when it's when it's it free though. on PlayStation Plus, like this is yeah. comes the highest recommendation. Like, you will have a great, great pack of beer. it when it's free. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, all right. Well, guys, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Um, uh, Justin and Kirk, appreciate you joining Alex and I to talk some uh, Beyond Two Souls, um, and. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll, we'll do this again sometime soon. Our pleasure. Yeah, that was fun. See you, man.